Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, you can turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Uh, we are continuing our summer series right into the fall, um, and AKA God, also known as God, as we've been talking about some of the different names of God and, and some of the different meanings of God. The Bible has so much to tell us about who God is, just in his names. And uh, I have uh, learned a lot from this series myself, and I hope and I pray that you have too. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen. We're going to be taking a look this morning at Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. And we'll be looking at one of possibly the most familiar passages in all of the Bibles. We take a look at Abraham and Isaac and uh, take a look at how Abraham called out and named God the provider, Jehovah Jireh. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. For those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here. Really excited that you are here this morning, and I hope you're um, just ready to dive in, because I believe that God has a lot to teach us today. So far, we have looked at several different names of God. We took a look at the fact that he is faithful, that he is our, our mighty God, he's our strength. Uh, Justin took a look at, at the fact that he is our father. We take, took a look at what that means. We, we saw that God is our king. We saw that he is our shepherd, and last week we talked about what it means that he's everlasting. But today, um, we talk about probably one of those names of God um, that we most rely on. And I think it's interesting because just a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that God is our shepherd, and we looked at Psalm 23. In part, we looked at Psalm 23, and we looked at it from the, the aspect of a shepherd. But in Psalm 23, there are so many different names of God that are actually listed there in Psalm 23, or in part listed, uh, because as David is pouring his heart out there in Psalm 23, he talks about the fact that God is our shepherd, but he also talks about the fact that God provides when he says that we shall not want. And this whole idea of want is so deeply personal. It's so deeply um, maybe spiritual or, or uh, you know, meaningful to us because there are things that we want out of life and often things don't go exactly the way that we planned. And so today, as we're talking about God, our provider, it's going to have different applications for where you are, different applications for your, your life, kind of the way that your life has gone. It's going to have different applications in terms of God providing. Maybe for you, it's financial. Maybe for you, it's some sort of relationship. Maybe for you, it's in the midst of some sort of tragedy. But I believe that we all have one thing in common, and that is, is that not our whole lives have not gone exactly how we planned. Am, am I right about that? Uh, like, I, I want you to do something this morning. Just, like, if something in your life has not gone exactly how you planned, would you just raise your hand this morning? Group therapy right there. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't the only one raising my hand up here this morning. So let's dive in and let's take a look at Genesis chapter 22, and we're going to read verses 1 through 19 this morning and take a look at this whole passage. Some of you will know this very well. Some of you are very familiar with it. Some of you maybe not. We're going to be taking a look at this great story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Genesis 22, 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to, said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then he said, then Abraham said to his young man, young, young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back again to you. We're going to come back to that verse in a moment because that is a very, very important aspect in this story. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it, on, laid, uh, laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac's like, dad, usually when we go to church, you have the offering. I ain't seeing the offering this morning, and we're going to church. Like, what's happening here? Dad, I don't see the offering. He's totally confused. Verse 8, Abraham said this, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from, the, from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. And it is said to this day, on the mount of the, of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord, it says uh, here, uh, uh, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said this, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the, Lord, of the earth be blessed, because you have, say that next word with me, obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose, and they went to together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. One of the most confusing, I mean, if we're really honest, like, what do we think about that passage? It's extremely confusing. It's troubling that God would actually ask Abraham to do what he's asking him to do. Isn't it troubling? It doesn't make any sense from our standpoint. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever from a logical standpoint. It's, 
It's terribly, like, you know, not, not personal. It's not, it's not humane. It's not, it's not human. It doesn't make any sense that God would ask Abraham to do this, that God would ask anyone to do this, and yet he does. And Abraham obeys. And at the same time, it's very confusing and difficult to understand. It's incredibly exhilarating to see how God comes through. But I want you to put yourself in Abraham's shoes, sandals, for a second, all right? Abraham not only was a father, he was not only Isaac's father, but Abraham had first and foremost walked in faith before as he left Ur of the Chaldees when he was a young man and God told him to go to a place that he hadn't even shown him yet. But to make things even more confusing, Abraham was the one that God chose to be the father of a great nation. We talked about it last week when we looked at the everlasting God. So God chose this man who is up there in age. We'll say that nicely. He's up there in age, and he asks for his only son to be the sacrifice that day on the altar. The fact that God chose Abraham to be the father of a great nation, he gave him this covenant. In fact, let's check it out in Genesis 12. This is the covenant that God gave to Abraham in verses 2 and 3 of Genesis 12. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And God tells a very senior Abraham to take the only son who has any chance of having all of these multiple people in this great nation, God tells him to take him and sacrifice him. What in the world is God asking of Abraham? And maybe more importantly, why is he asking a man who's already demonstrated that he has a deep abiding faith in God? Why in the world is God asking this of this man? And I don't know about you, we have this picture of Abraham gathering everything together and we'll talk about the things that he did in a moment to do that and the obedience that he had and how he followed God. But we, we have this picture of Abraham kind of throwing everything you know, up, up on the, the donkey or you know, in our context, throwing it in the SUV and, and going out to a place that he's not really sure where he's going or why he's going or what is going to happen. And we have this view that Abraham the whole time is just kind of whistling along, Everything's cool, it's all fine, it's all, it's all good. I, I can't imagine for a minute that he didn't have some kind of doubt in the back of his mind. I can't imagine for a second that there wasn't some kind of deep emotion going on as he knows that he has to obey God, but he knows this is his only son who he loves. Imagine this, moms and dads, having to do this, and imagine the promise that God had made, that covenant that he had made. I am sure that as they went to the mountain that Abraham had doubts. I'm sure that he had emotion. I'm sure that he was wondering how God's going to provide. But the difference between Abraham and me 
and probably most of us, is that even though I'm sure he had doubts, Abraham did what God told him to do. He did that thing that seemed so utterly ridiculous. He did the thing that God told him to do. And we read in Genesis chapter 15, we read that God counted it to him as righteousness. This is his faith before. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so your offspring shall be in a repeat of that covenant. And he believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. You see, this man, Abraham, set out on foot to go to a land he didn't know when he was young. In the middle of his, of his days, God gave him this promise that seemed so ridiculous, and he listened, and he believed, and here he is at a ripe old age, and God tells him to do this ridiculous thing, and he does it, he does it anyway. And we read later in the New Testament in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, that by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering his own son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And what Hebrews is saying there is that this man was of great faith because he was going to obey God. He was in the act of obeying God and believed in God so much that he believed that if Isaac had died, that God would bring him back to life. What an amazing foretelling of what God would do through his only son, Jesus, by the way. An amazing shadow of what God would do through Jesus. And bringing him back to life. This whole idea of God being our provider is not something that we hear and check it off the box and say, yeah, he provides, and we just move on with life. There's something here that should stir us, that should cause us from deep within to rise up and, 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 and take action and listen and hear God. And do what he tells us to do. There's something like deeply spiritually moving about Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. It's not something that we just listen to and it goes over us, it washes over us, and we go, oh yeah, I'm at peace. That's great. God provides. It causes us, or it should cause us, to action. And you see, I think there's something that we can learn here from God. Abraham had this this almost pre-existing faith in God. We talk a lot about pre-existing conditions. And spiritually speaking, Abraham came into this situation with this deep abiding faith in God. And how did he get there? And how did he do it? And why did he call out God, Jehovah Jireh? This place will be named Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. By the way, that name literally means to see. So the next time you think about the fact that you're in trouble and you need God to provide, remember that Jehovah Jireh means to see. That he sees in front of us. I love that. In some ways, he is our provider and he offers provision for us. He sees out ahead of us when we can't even see for ourselves. 
And Abraham knew that he was the great provider. And in every act along the way, Abraham joins in with God being the provider and proves his deep abiding faith, this pre-existing confidence in God. So what? What can we learn? Well, I think four things. Because God is our provider, first and foremost, we can trust his plan for our lives. Because God is Jehovah Jireh, first and foremost, we can trust his plan for our lives. I want you to listen to that statement one more time because I think it's very distinct and it may be different than just trusting in general. Because Jehovah Jireh is the provider, because God is a provider, we can trust his plan for our lives. It's not because Jehovah Jireh is our provider, he can join in and trust our plan for our lives. Do you see the difference there? I I like my plans a lot better than I like God's plans. Some of you are like, oh, this is my pastor? Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm just being honest. Like the way that I think that life should go, I I think I've got a pretty good idea on how that should go, at least for me. I I don't know about my idea for you, but like that. And I would imagine that a lot of you are like that. Like you have this plan, you have this idea of what you believe, you know, is gonna be the plan and how how you are gonna provide and how you are gonna get your education and how you are gonna like pursue a calling and, you know, go out and get this vocation. And you've got it all arranged. I did too. When I was 15 years old, I absolutely knew that I was going to be doing something in golf. (laughs) Really? You're laughing at that statement? Come on. You haven't played, well, some of you have played with me. I understand why you're laughing. I really believed that that was what God had for my future. And when I was a senior in high school, I broke my wrist playing soccer. I didn't play for two years. I, I wore a cast for a year. Ended up having surgery. It was done. It was done. I knew that any idea that I had in terms of playing golf in my future was gone. But you know what? God knew better. God had a better plan. And I was frustrated. I was very frustrated. All through college, all all through like, you know, early, like right after college, I still wanted to do something in in golf in, in some form or fashion. But God took that away took it away from me. He changed the plans. Now, I didn't have to go sacrifice a son. My deal was a lot less severe, but it bothered me probably a lot like some of you who are here today and your career path or your educational path or your family path has not gone the way that you planned. But because he's our provider, we can trust his plans and his plan our life. I love it because in verse 8 of Genesis 22, Abraham says this, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. When Isaac is like, hey dad, uh, where's the lamb? Where's the offering, dad? We need to go back because we forgot something. Abraham never looks back but he reassures his son, God will provide. I want you to say, God will provide with me. 
God will provide. You see, Abraham had that deep abiding faith in God. And because of that, he had a deep abiding faith in the way that God wanted to provide. I think sometimes we can talk ourselves into that we have this spiritual depth and we say, I believe in God. I trust God. I trust him. But we reject the new adjusted plan for our lives that he has given us. And I want you to hear today, if you're a Christ follower and you're here and you've been a, you've been a Christian for a long time, like you've, you've trusted in him a long time, if we choose to not believe in the plan that God has for us, even if it's adjusted and even if it goes terribly different than what we ever thought for our lives, then we truly don't believe in his provision. We really join in with him being Jehovah Jireh when we join in trusting him and his plan for us. Because God is our provider, we can trust his plan for our lives. His plan may be wildly different than anything that you could have imagined that being the case, we can trust him, and we can trust his plan. Secondly, because God is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider, we can follow his leading with confidence. You see, here's where this little word obedience comes into play that I don't like, and I'm sure that you don't like. But because he's Jehovah Jireh, we can follow his leading with confidence, You see, that deep abiding faith in God and his plans for our lives leads us to a place where we are going to have to take action. At some point in time, God's going to call you to some sort of action. And you're going to have to go in and tap in to something. And if that deep abiding faith isn't there, it is going to be very difficult to trust what God is doing with your life. And with my life. And we need to know that we can follow his leading with confidence. Look at all the things that Abraham did. In verse 3, it says he rose early in the morning. He got up out of bed. You know, for you, trusting in God's plans and following him in obedience may just mean you get out of bed the next day. It may mean that you wake up in the morning the next day. And you go, God, what do you have for me? He got up in verse, uh, in verse 3. He rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey. He took his men. He gathered his men. He got Isaac. He's like, hey, Isaac, we've got to go. God's called us to do that. He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He, he rose again, uh, presumably from either a nap maybe or the next day, and went to the place. He followed God. He, he, did, he did in that verse, one, two, three, four, five, six, six very specific things because he trusted God's plan. In verse 9, he built the altar. He put the wood on it. And then he put his own son on it, on the altar. In verse 10, he reaches up with his knife, and he's in the act of sacrificing his son. He lifted his arms. Look at all the action that Abraham took, all the while knowing 
that God will provide. Some of you may want to circle that or highlight that in your Bibles. God will provide. How many times did Abraham say in just this chapter, God will provide? And I want you to hear this morning that whatever you're going through, you can know that God will provide. But at some point in time, it's going to cause you and it's going to cause me to some sort of action. And so we can follow his leading with confidence. Third, we can believe that he is for us. It did not make sense to Abraham. I'm sure it didn't make sense to his men. Can you imagine the conversation with Sarah? Ladies, imagine that. Wives, husbands, imagine that conversation. Hey, honey, God's told me to take little Isaac here up to a mountain and sacrifice him. You all right with that? You good with that? Imagine how that conversation goes in today's culture. Imagine how that conversation goes today. Imagine how it might have gone for Abraham. But we can believe that God is for us because he is Jehovah Jireh. And sometimes our actions don't make sense. But if we hear clearly from God, I want to I tell you, Christ follower, those actions God will use for his glory and for your good. And we can believe that he is for us. And then lastly, the fourth thing is because he's Jehovah Jireh, we can expect him to provide. My favorite verse in Genesis chapter 22 is verse 5. I love this verse because Abraham says to his young men, he says to these traveling companions, he says to these men who are helping him, please, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Get this. He says, stay here with the donkey. Stay right here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and we will worship and look what the next words say. And come again to you. By the way, in the original language, it wasn't, I'll be back. It was, we will be back. See, Abraham knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that however it went up on that mountain, that he and Isaac would be back. And church, Christ follower, or even if you're here today and you you don't know what you believe about Jesus, we can expect for God to come through. Even in your greatest doubt, even in your darkest day, even in the worst situation that you have ever had, we can expect, and we should expect, for him to provide. Yes, it may not be the way that we want for him to provide, but he will provide. And we need to move through life if we really do trust in Jehovah Jireh, expecting for him to come through. And I realize that's a lot easier for me to say here up on the stage as it is for me to live it throughout the week and for you and for us to live it throughout the week. I get it. I get it. But there is a deep expectation that we see from Abraham proving why he cried out and said, Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. We can trust him. We can follow him. We can believe him, and we can expect for him to provide even in the worst situation. 
even in that thing or those things or that relationship or whatever it is that you have tremendous doubt that he's gonna come through. Even in that act of obedience that you know that if you obey God, that there are gonna be multiple, 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 multiple doors open that you don't think are gonna be for your best. You can expect for him to provide. It may not be easy along the way, but you can expect for him to provide. I believe we as a church are are faced with this now corporately, not just individually. But I think that we're faced with this now because we're expecting in in our all-in initiative for him to provide. And man, we we know that, uh, you know, we we need to reach a certain point. That certain point is about $3.7 million, and he's provided uh, about $3 million of that in pledges. But man, you know, if we believe that God has that building for us right there, building B, we know we've got to get to a certain point. We know that if we want to start a church in Belize and impact our community and be all about our, our, our mission as a church, that over the course of the next two years, that God's got to come through. So I believe over these next few years, you and I and we as a church are going to be watching God, and we've got to move through our lives expecting for him to provide. Do you expect for him to provide in your life right now? Do you expect that he is going to provide? Do you truly believe that that plan that has been altered in so many ways and did not absolutely went the furthest thing from what you thought was going to be the way it would go, do you believe that he can even use that? That's what it means to trust in Jehovah, Jireh, God, the provider. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you for this story that seems ridiculous to us on the outside. It seems absurd. Why would you make Abraham the one that you established this great covenant the one from whom you would bring about David and you would bring about Jesus, the Savior of the world, why in the world would you ask him to sacrifice his only son? God, in so many ways, it's because you wanted him to be the example from which we can draw to understand truly what it means for you to be Jehovah Jireh. And God, right now, I want to pray for everyone who's in this room. And God, they're faced with a situation or maybe multiple situations that right now look impossible. From the outside looking in, it looks impossible. Life has not worked out at all the way they thought it would work out. Relationships have not gone the way they thought they would go. Finances have not even come close to going the way they thought it would go. Their businesses have turned upside down. Maybe they've never recovered from a recession. God, maybe there are students who are in here today who, like me, wanted to see something for their lives, and they had their whole lives mapped out. They had it planned from A to Z. They had the whole thing worked out, and life has thrown them a curve, and the plans have changed wildly from where they thought it was going to be. God, I pray for each one of us, and I include myself in that, who are in here today. And God, we need you, Jehovah Jireh, to come through for us. 
God, I just want to say on behalf of those who are in here and there's doubts and there's struggle and they're struggling and they're wondering, God, I want to say we want to believe. We want to trust your plans. We want to follow you and do what you say. We do want to obey you. We do want to believe that you're for us. And God, we want to expect you to come through in miraculous ways. But our faith is weak. And sometimes we doubt. And even though you've provided for us in the past, sometimes we just really struggle with providing or trusting you to provide for the future. God, I pray that wherever we are in this place right now, God, as your word says, that you would, where we have unbelief, help us with that unbelief. God, that you would give us the confidence and the courage to trust in your way, not ours. God, that we would lay aside whatever it is that's holding us back from really trusting you. God, maybe it's something that's very precious to us, just like Isaac was precious to Abraham. God, I pray that you would allow us to truly understand what it means that you are Jehovah Jireh. And God, we can't provide for ourselves, but we do join in with you, with our faith in you and our trust in you, the God that will provide. I just want you to take a moment, just the silence as Cynthia plays, just in this room right now, and whatever it is right now that you're struggling with, unbelief, whatever that situation or that thing is, you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm really struggling to believe that God can provide in this area. Would you just take a moment, just silently, just give that to him. Just you and him, just talk for a moment, just in the silence. God, whatever that is, whatever that thing is that came to our minds, came to our hearts, God, I pray that you would allow us to, to trust your plan and to follow your lead, to believe that you're for us and to expect you to provide in miraculous ways. God, go before us right now. May we hang on to our trust and abiding faith in you, Jehovah Jireh. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said.